Hi, listener. Welcome to the More Than Me podcast with your host, Becky Harrington, sharing stories of women who decided to move outside of themselves and claim a higher purpose because together we are more. In each episode, we'll dig deep into stories of women who shed their fear and shame so that they could claim their higher purpose. Each week, you'll leave inspired, free from the shoulds that have been bringing you down and prepared to walk ahead towards your bright purpose. Experience a community that has forged a path before you and discover that you're not alone. Hi, listeners. Welcome to the More Than Me podcast. I'm your host, Becky Harrington, and I want you to join me each week as we discover the triumphant stories of women who decided to have more for their lives and accept their purpose. This is a podcast for women who have a deep longing in their hearts, crave community, and are ready to step out in faith. Welcome, and today you're joining me with More Than Me Collective member, Nicole Mischke. Um, Today we're going to talk about shame, and shame is such an important discussion, especially for women. Um, Brene Brown really brought it out in the last 10 years that we have to talk about shame, Um, and shame is usually paired with secrets that we're keeping locked deep and um, far away. And Nicole has a beautiful story to tell about that. But before we get into it, um, I just want to introduce you to our guest, Nicole. Say hello. Thank you, Becky. Yes, uh, my name is Nicole Mischke, and I'm excited to be sharing this story with you all. Um, Coming from a place of shame where I lived in darkness for almost 10 years, it literally sometimes feels like I still have to pinch myself to be where I am today because I never expected that by telling the world the one thing I never wanted them to know about me, I never expected that that would lead to the most abundant, full life and that I would be healed as, as I'm sitting here today. So it's amazing to be here and to be sharing this with you because ultimately what I want people to know is that you are not alone, no matter how dark or shameful uh, you know, whatever it is that you're going through, no matter what you've experienced, shame wants to make you think you're alone, but that is the lie of shame. And the truth is you're probably surrounded by people who are going through the exact same thing. They just need someone brave enough to be the first one to say, Hey, I'm experiencing this. And then that'll open up the floodgates and the doors and the permission for everyone else to talk about their shame as well. So Nicole, you have been actually walking in life with Tiffany Smiley for a long time. And so you've actually probably been a part of the more than me movement before it was even an idea or an inception. And so why don't you tell us a little bit about your friendship with Tiffany and how you came to be a part of more than me? Yes. So Tiffany Smiley is a woman who stopped me in my tracks when I first met her. And um, I was working in news. I had gone to school for broadcast journalism. Um, It was a dream job at the time for me. And I was working at our local NBC news station here in Spokane, Washington. And I I had interviewed her husband, Scotty, which for those of you who don't know, Scotty was blinded by a suicide car bomb while serving in Iraq shortly after they were first married. And um, Tiffany had to drop everything in her life to you know, breathe him back to life, basically, physically, emotionally, spiritually. And in the process, you know, 10 years later down the road, they had had three kids. And um, what people don't realize, they often, you know, everyone 
talks about the story of the veteran who was injured, but, but oftentimes the family gets neglected. And this is, a, this is a story that's true for many caretakers of veterans, and it's the problem Tiffany found herself in, is after pouring all of herself and her purpose into her husband, and then he finally got better, she kind of stepped back one day and didn't know who she was anymore, so she fell into a darkness. And I met her, I didn't know it at the time, but in the midst of that darkness. And she had isolated herself. Um, she didn't really talk to anybody. She didn't have a lot of friends. And we happened to go to Muffins with Mom together. Muffins with Mom, because our kids were in the same preschool class. And I just happened to sit next to her, and it was amazing. You know, I think God puts us in certain situations for certain reasons. And had I not interviewed her husband before, I don't think Tiffany and I would have made the connection we did. Because as I was sitting there talking with her, and I was like, hey, like, you know, how long have you lived here in Spokane? And it was just very short little answers. Like she did not want to talk. But slowly I kept asking questions and I pulled out that, that her husband had been blinded in Iraq. And I said, wait a second, I think I've met your husband. He's amazing. You're his wife. Like you're amazing. And knowing then that I understood her pain, she was able to, to open up a little bit more. And, and then we, we stayed connected ever since then. And, and here we are now. And she's totally jumped out of that isolation and knowing that she was able to pull herself out of something so isolating and so depressing. That's what's giving her this this desire to go across to women of the country and say, come on, let's, let's find your purpose. Let's not live in shame. Let's not live in fear. Let's live for more. And together we can be so much more than we can be on our own. So. And the reason why this story, this little story here is so powerful and you can feel it in the conversation is that community is like a miracle right? It's a miracle. It gives life all around you and we need it every single day. And um, that is part of the reason why we created this whole organization is, is surrounded about this idea that community heals other people's lives. And Nicole and I didn't even know each other. Like we, I did not know her. The first time I saw Nicole was on Instagram. You had posted your video for more than me. Um, with your story and you did a takeover and that is all I knew about Nicole. All I knew is that I was going to show up in Boise and I was just expectant to see what would happen. And then her and I sat down next to each other at the after party afterwards. She sat down next to me on the couch. We were all kind of crowded in on this <laughs> couch in this room, all these women trying to fit in there. And we just talked for the first time um, face to face. And it's amazing how quickly you can go from a perfect stranger that you're watching on Instagram to somebody that you're opening up with and sharing your life, how fast that can actually happen. Yeah. And I think that happens when we just start being real with, with ourselves with what we've been through, because, you know, you have an amazing story and a story of hurt and pain and you're, you know, you're willing to share that with someone that, you know, is real also, yeah. <laughs> you know, like someone else who, who knows that life isn't perfect and it's not about looking insta good or insta worthy, right? It's about the realness of life. Cause the, the one thing that is certain for all of us is that life will be painful. Yep. And if we're not willing to be open about our pain, you know, when we experience it, we're probably not going to have anyone we feel like we can have community with and, and go through that together. So, well, we're about to have a really great conversation about what it looks like to walk through the most painful 
um, part of your life and to walk out of it too. To we're, we're going to talk about what it looks like to be in the cage and we're going to talk about what it looks like to leave the cage. But before we do that, I got to talk to you about what we have going on with More Than Me. So if you're listening to this and it's February um, and so you've started with us right along February 2019th, we want you to join us in Dallas in March. Um, there's going to be more events that are always happening on morethanme.com. So if you already missed the Dallas event and you're coming in later to the podcast, go to morethanme.com. You can click on the upcoming events tab and you can learn about all the events that are coming down the pipeline. If we don't have any scheduled right now, sign up for our newsletter and you'll be notified when new events happen, but we want to see you in person. That is really key. We're going to talk about that a lot. Um, the next thing is if you are just anxious to get started with us now, um, I, we have an opportunity called our member program, and this is for other audacious women who want to band together with us and live out their purposes. You're going to get to interact with this community of women every month and hear their, from expert coaches, marketeers. They're going to send you a bunch of stuff in the mail that's beautiful, but what you're really going to get out of this is your participation in it. Um, this is a give and get community where we embrace and help each other. We collaborate, support, and promote out of the abundance in our lives. Um, so this is a skin in the game group of women and we want you to join us. And if, uh, depending on when you're listening, this is, we have a Zoom call where you can get face to face, just like Nicole and I are right now, on a Zoom call with all of the other members, the, the last Thursday of the month. So before you know it, you can be in community and you can start to make relationships with women who are all in for you and we want to be all in for you. So join us, go to morethanme.com, click on the podcast section. This is episode four. Anything we talk about today is going to be linked there. So let's get into this. Um, I'm Before we start this, I want to read a passage, passage of, of scripture to you. Um, this passage, after I heard Nicole's talk and all the way from the long drive from Boise, all the way to Oregon was following me. This is one of my most favorite stories and it exactly exemplifies Nicole's story. So I want to just quickly read it to you. If I'm in my Bible, I'm going to read it straight out of you, out to you. Um, no paraphrase in here. This is a short story, but we're going to be in Luke chapter eight. Um, I'm going to start in verse 40. So Jesus is getting off of this boat and he is being mobbed by a crowd as usual. Um, and on the other side of the lake, the crowds come and welcome Jesus because he's been waiting for them. Then a man named Jairus, I totally botched names, just get used to that. A leader of the local synagogue came and fell at Jesus's feet. He was like uh, Rick Warren, like he's famous. He's a very smart guy. He's got a big following. He's got a big church. And uh, pleading with him to come with him, his only daughter, was, who was about 12 years old, was dying. As Jesus went with him, he was surrounded by the crowds. A woman in the crowd who had suffered from, from 12 years with constant bleeding, this was shameful in this community, um, and she could find no cure. Coming up behind Jesus, she touched the fringe of his robe. Immediately, the bleeding stopped. Jesus stops and he says, who touched me? Everyone denied it. Peter said, Master, the crowd is pressing up against you. Dude, everyone's touching you, right? Uh, but Jesus said, Somebody deliberately touched me, for I felt healing power go out from me. 
When the woman realized that she could no longer stay hidden, she began to tremble and fell to her knees in front of him. The whole crowd heard her explain why she had touched him and that she had been immediately healed. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well, go in peace. While he was still speaking to her, a messenger arrived from the home of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue, and he told him, your daughter is dead. There's no use troubling the teacher now. So what I love about this story, and I always get emotional talking about it, is he was in a big hurry because a little girl was dying, and this little girl was the daughter of a very important man, and he could have prioritized. This woman was already healed. Her physical ailment was healed. He knew it. She knew it. And he could have just gone on his way, but he had to stop. And the reason that he had to stop is because even though her physical ailment had been hurt, had healed, her shame had not been healed. And if she didn't out herself, and it was her choice, he knew who it was. He could have pointed to her. He could have been like, hey, you just did that. He didn't do it. He gave her the option. And when she took that option, his response was to call her daughter and to tell her to go in peace. And he, he healed her shame that day. And that is what we're going to talk about today with Nicole's story. We're going to talk about what, what happens when we invite people into the light and how Jesus just shines right on that and heals everything from the, from the top to the bottom in our lives. So Nicole, um, you kept a really big secret for a long time. Why don't you tell us about that secret? So my secret started in high school and I very much got caught up in chasing after physical perfection. And, um, I had been approached by some modeling agencies. I would grown up overweight and kind of the, you know, I'm five ten. I was always way bigger than everybody else my age. So I definitely had some body complex issues, but I, I was bulimic and I was bulimic for almost 10 years. And, um, you know, initially, you know, you think, oh, this is just something I'm doing like for right now. Like I'm not, yeah, this isn't going to you know, be a problem for me to stop. But it very quickly, I mean, I can only describe it as an addiction. It feels like a drug. Like it feels completely like you're out of control, like you have no control. Um, And it is so shameful to me out of all the eating disorders. I mean, I was playing these words in my head about how disgusting I was and how I had no self-control and, you know, you better not ever let anybody find this out about you because they're just going to think that you are, you know, disgusting really and wasteful and, you know, um, and so there were times when I literally believed that there was nothing that would ever be able to help me. And I was a hundred percent set on making sure that nobody ever found out what I was doing behind closed doors. And so I was very manipulative and just very careful about how and when I would go about my problem. Um, And on the outside, I acted like I had it all together. Like I, you know, I had lots of friends. I could be outwardly confident. You know, I worked in news. I could, you know, talk and give speeches and I, I appeared confident. But inside I was crumbling and I, I felt absolutely hopeless. I had once tried to go to counseling my daughter, Annabelle, when she was like two years old. I 
caught myself just in this moment of like, what are you doing? Because I was vomiting in front of her and thinking to myself, she's never going to remember this, right? But it was just like, what are you doing? Like, you've got to get yourself together. And so that's what made me try to go to counseling. But ultimately, I only went to, to two sessions and quit because I thought, number one, most important to me was that I felt like it was putting me at risk of getting caught. Yeah. I was way too ashamed for even my husband to know. And he was with me for the majority of these 10 years. And uh, number two, I just felt like this is not going to work. This is not going to help me. And how horrible and even more humiliating to try to ask for help and then be the person who's never able to actually overcome it. And so it was ultimately the fear of death that allowed me to stop. I, one day, you know, I felt like I had, I had mouth sores and I just, I, I literally believed I had mouth cancer and that I deserved it. And, um, that was like a literally cold turkey moment for me. And, and I, and I can't say that like I was struggling this whole time and then boom, I stopped. There was a definite several year progression of me just really self it was like self-therapy. I was, I recognized I needed to change the thoughts in my head. I recognized I needed to change the way that I valued myself. And so I was listening to podcasts and reading self-help books and, um, just trying to find some other way to value myself aside from what I looked like on the outside. And then ultimately when I thought that I was possibly dying of cancer, that was just like, I'm done. And it was this wake up call for me to be like the purpose of my life should not be to chase after physical perfection. You know, that is not a life's purpose. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I, I can't, but, but that's the point that I think that we're making here is I, I was then able to stop yep. and I stopped for about a year and a half and I was like, great, done. <laughs> yeah, I was more nobody, nobody ever needs to know. <laughs> nobody ever needs to know. I was more relieved that I had never been caught then I was relieved that I had stopped. And I was like, great, I'll just take this to the grave with me. No one is ever going to have to know this about me. But over time, you know, secrets keep you sick. And it was eating away at me. And I could tell that it was becoming this toxic thing in me. And there was a man I, I very much respected who had spoken these words to me that basically told me I needed to go share this. And he said to me, you know, promise me that you will share your pain, share your pain, because if you don't, it will grow and it will fester and it will become something nasty inside of you. And when I heard those words, I knew the truth immediately and what he was saying. And I knew that if I didn't share that, I was going to be causing a toxic life for myself by keeping that inside. And I also wasn't naive enough to know that people don't relapse or people do relapse. Yeah. And I knew that if I kept this a secret, if somehow, even though I feel so strongly that I am never going back to that again, if somehow something happened in my life and that became a temptation again, or that became a thought in my mind, I knew it was going to be way easier to turn back if I'd never spoken it out loud and, and told somebody that I'd struggled with it. So ultimately I decided that I needed to share it. And it was the most healing experience I have ever, ever had. Because the reason why we stay in cages is because our identity has been so robbed that we believe that if we come out of the cage and people know who we really are, that they're going to reject us. Yes. Yes. We tell ourselves that every day. 
They just don't know who I really am. If they knew this about me, then I would lose my job. I would lose my family. I would lose my husband. I would lose my friends. Nobody could love somebody who insert whatever. And, and listener, I'm, I'm aware right now that if you are listening and this is you right now, that you're already telling yourself that these thoughts are already going through her head, but, oh, but my problem is worse than hers. Mm -hmm. the, you know, she just, oh, she had bulimia and she quit it, but no, my mind, whatever it is, you think that, that it's worse and that you, if people really knew that about you, that they would, they would reject you. And so but that's not the truth, right, Nicole? The truth is just like this woman. Like Jesus said, he called her daughter mm -hmm. and he said to go in peace. So what was it like to come out into the light and tell us about that experience? Yeah, so I, I ended up sharing my story for the first time in a pretty public way. For me, I had been asked to speak at a storytelling event and the, the topic of the night was promise. We all had to give a, a story on promise. And I had just been told by that guy, promise me that you will share your pain. And I was like, well, there's the promise that of, of this event that I'm supposed to be talking about. And that is what the message needs to be is sharing my pain. And so it was easier for me to share in front of a crowd of strangers than to share to the people that I loved. And yeah. so I felt a single person what I was doing. I told my husband, oh, I got something for work. Like I got to go do this thing. Just watch the kids. And after I was done, I mean, I sobbed my eyes out through the whole thing. And when I was done, I, I had five people come up to me immediately and either say, I'm struggling with bulimia right now. My daughter is in rehab for this right now. I know as my, my niece who passed away from anorexia, like I realized immediately that I was not alone in this. And with the lie that I had told myself for so long, which is, no one has this problem but you get your stuff together like what is wrong with you um that wasn't the case at all and um so slowly after that i was able to start sharing um that event happened to be recorded for radio and for a podcast online and so that ended up being such a gift to me because as i got the courage to share with other people i didn't have to sit down and yeah. rehash all the details I could just say listen I need to tell you something could you please listen to this yeah and again the more people that I told I ended up finding out that I had five good friends some that I've known since middle school who had all struggled with the exact same thing and we were doing it together but in silence because everyone thought they were alone in that and it's just not the truth. So I feel like I was not able to truly step into my purpose to truly be confident and actually love myself until I told the world the one thing that I never wanted them to know. And finally being able to share that, it's like, you know what? I finally don't care so much what people think about me. Cause I think we hold ourselves back so often because we are afraid of what the other is going to think. What will they think if, if they tell them this about myself or what will they think if I chase after the crazy dream I've had in my heart to do X, Y, or Z, you know, I think a lot of times our deepest desires and that purpose that God's placed on our heart, we keep silent because we have an ultimate fear of failing if we admit that that's what we want for ourselves. And we have an ultimate fear of what people are going to think if we actually speak out that that's what we desire or want for our lives. But I truly believe that once you shed that shame, 
and you get rid of it. Get rid of the things you're afraid people know about you. You are truly finally free to embrace everything about you, the good with the bad, and just be you and listen to that inner voice that God's placed on your heart since the day you were born. And I think that the enemy loves to keep us locked in shame cages because we will never go out and live out the purpose that we were created for. And that is when, when women live out the purpose that they're created for, guess what? Families change, marriages change, friendships change, communities change, worlds change, right? So, so he knows that if we can continue to believe this lie that, well, I have this dream and I want to do this, but I can't do that because if people knew who I really am, Mm -hmm. if they really know, knew who I really am, they would know that I'm not capable of that. I can't even, I can't even get this secret under control. And so how could I go out and do something big with my life? It's this giant lie that seeps, it takes root in our identity and it starts to grow all these ugly things outside of it. And the longer you let that grow, the more it just encases you. And so I love hearing women come out and say their stories. I love when we decide that we're not going to live in a cage anymore, that we're going to tell someone what's really going on in our lives because one, all of a sudden you're like, Oh, everyone's marriage is like this. Yes. (laughs) Oh, wait. You're not perfect. (laughs) Oh, wait, hold on. So your kids do that too? Um, And also because we are humans and this world just is constantly like throwing mud at us. Mm -hmm. And so it's only understandable. And I think Jesus even knows that. He probably says about your story, Nicole, of course, that's what happened. Look at all the ways that you were talked to about your body from the very beginning. Look at all the shame that was put on you. Of course, the way that you got under control about it was to do this. And he was probably there with his hand on your head saying, I love you. And I'm so sorry that the world threw so much mud at you that it got you here but I want to help you back out. And I think we think the opposite of how Jesus sees us. We think that he's like disappointed and that he's shaking his finger at us. And I think he looks at all the stuff that we have to wage through in this world and all the harmful things that happen to us from the time we're born and says, of course, that's what you did. Of course, because I, because I became a human too. And I understand how hard it is. And I think as women, um, now that you have stepped into the light, you have decided I'm not going to live this. Talk to me about what your experience has been in being the person that someone can tell their things to. Well, it feels like it's just come full circle in the sense that God, you know, I think, I think we believe that God can only use us if we're good enough or if we're perfect enough. But the truth is that God wants to take your brokenness and that's where he's going to use you to change the world. That's where he's going to use you to build community and to find those deep, meaningful friendships. Um, Because I always say this to people, I've learned like you are not powerful, like in spite of the painful things you've been through. You are powerful because of those things. The things that you've walked through, your pain and your shame, that is your superpower. That is what makes you 
have influence and have community and connection. And so I think that's been the biggest thing is just realizing that God could use my brokenness in a way that I never imagined. I thought my brokenness was going to destroy my reputation. I thought my brokenness was going to be the end of everything good in my life. I was terrified to tell my husband. I felt like I've been dating him this whole time. I mean, we've been together for like, I don't know, nine years or something, no longer than that. It was by the time I had told him, you know, it was like 12 years that I had started with bulimia, but probably 10 years that I had known him. And I just felt like he's going to think that I lied to him this whole time. And so I just believed it was going to be the end of everything good in my life. But the truth is your brokenness, sharing that and letting it out. It's the start of, of God using you for so much greater than you could ever imagine. And, um, I, it has been a, it has been an absolute gift and it has been so, uh, such an honor to feel like I'm a person now that people can come to and, and trust with their, their pain or their shame because they know that I don't have judgment for that. You know, it's hard to share something with someone who, you know, is all about the mask of perfection and making everything look like everything's great in their life. Um, but yeah, it's just been, it's been amazing. I always say, no one is going to share their deepest pain with someone unless they know that that person is going to understand it and not be judgmental. And, you know, we live in this world where social media, I think over the past 10, 15 years has just created this bar of perfection and it just keeps getting raised higher and higher. And, you know, I'm a photographer. And so in a lot of ways, it's really great that everyone wants beautiful photos of themselves because that puts me in business. Right. But I mean, we used to be a society where we could throw up any photo on MySpace, if you remember MySpace or Facebook, right? Yeah. But now it's like we have this new word. It's Insta-worthy. Like we only post what's beautiful. And we will go to great lengths to make our lives look beautiful. Like even before we started, what did I do, Becky? I had all this clutter up here. I was like, oh, I'm going to get the clutter off, <laughs> like make it look better. Um, so, I mean, I do it too, but it's not real life. And um, this bar of perfection that we've continued to just raise higher and higher, I mean, what is going to happen to our children and to their children if we don't come in and say, you know, enough with the perfection, enough with the facade of my life is great. Like, here's what real life is like. Here's what we're really struggling with. And I think it's needed more now than ever before, because before social media, you didn't know what someone else's house looked like unless you'd been there. You didn't know what someone's Valentine's Day date looked like unless you were on it. You didn't know what someone's first day of school kids outfits looked like unless they were your children. But because of social media, it's thrown in, well, look at this and look at them and look at them and compare and compare and compare. And we're, we're starting to, you know, it creates this false reality that everyone has these great lives and their kids are perfect and they're always on point and put together. And so I think more than ever, there is a huge need and a craving for authenticity and for realness because we're seeing so much facade. And, um, yeah, I saw this really great meme on, um, on Instagram a few weeks ago. And it's this, this woman, she's sitting on a couch and it's covered in laundry and a friend, somebody has just stopped by and is in need to talk. And she says, come on, come on in, help me fold some laundry. 
And I thought that is so great because I think sometimes we think we can't have our friends over to our house until we've Instagrammed it ready. And we can't have, you know, and there needs to be like a dinner party with like a, you know, featured cocktail that's like got like rosemary sprigs in it. And there's like, you know, like the, the centerpieces and you, you took 12 pictures before everybody got there and yeah. yeah. And then everybody acts like they're on their best behavior. But you know, when people are in need, like that might be when your house is a disaster. That might be when your kids are going through a phase where they don't want to wear clothing for a while. That might be like, you know, our lives are just what they are. And when we create a space where we can share that with people in vulnerable spaces and we create an environment where power can happen. And, um, you know, that is really what more than me is all about. It's about women coming together and embracing them wherever they're at. It's about leaving perfection at the door. And it's about, um, giving them a space where we're modeling that this is what Nicole did at that event. I'm going to tell you that she told her story on stage and what happened at my table and at the table around me is that all of a sudden a bunch of women who were sitting face to face who had never met each other before started telling each other the hardest things that were happening in, in their life. And that was because she got up and told a really, really shameful story and she owned it and she talked about the power of giving, giving it up. And every woman just went, that's what I needed to be able to do today. And they just started sharing whatever that was. And then what happened after that is we had a delicious lunch. And then after lunch, people started dreaming because they could shed their shame. That was out the door. They had told someone finally what was going on. They had received community and love and peace for it. And now they were like, you know what? I really want to write a book. Yeah, exactly. That's what happened at the event. And it was because Nicole was brave enough to get up on that stage and to share her story. And so we want to invite you into a couple of things. One, if you are somebody who's listening today and you're carrying a big load like Nicole was, we want you to reach out to us today. Go to More Than Me Movement on Instagram, write to us. Someone is going to write you back. I promise. This is a woman. This is women embracing women, no matter where you're at. If you don't feel like there's anybody in your life that you can tell or talk to, Nicole felt more comfortable telling a perfect stranger. That's completely understandable. We're perfect strangers. Use us as your sounding board, but don't live in that shame anymore. We're done with that today. If you're, if you're on the call today and you're listening right now, you're done with it today. Write us, tell us. Um, well, I, I just add to actually really quick, um, the part about being able to step into your purpose, I guess I didn't mention this, but I had worked in news for six years and for the last couple of years, I had always had this feeling in my heart. Like I want to share stories that matter more than just news stories. I, I was always a person like, I want to share your story, Becky. And I want to share, yeah. you know, what this person with you, but that's not always newsworthy. So I had this desire in my heart, this nudging to go out and tell stories on my own. But I was like, how am I going to do that? And what's that going to look like? It was not until I shed my shame and shared it that I could finally trust that voice in my heart. And my job was fun and you know, it appeared successful. So it was really comfortable to stay in that, but it's not what my heart told me I should be doing. And so 
finally, after sharing my shame, I was able to actually say, you know what, this has been a great experience, but I'm going to do my own thing now. And I don't, I still don't have it all figured out, but all I know is that I'm waking up every day and I'm saying yes to that voice on my, on my heart. And I'm connecting with people in ways I've never thought possible and opportunities are opening up that I never even envisioned all because I decided to say yes to that voice inside of me, that voice that's telling you to write a book, the voice that's telling yeah. you to maybe become a stay at home mom and quit your job altogether, yeah. whatever it is, listen to that. And it's so much easier to listen to it when you just tell the world all the good and the bad, <laughs> like get the ugly out there and it's not going to be so ugly. It's actually going to be beautiful. God will transform it into something beautiful. And if you're that person, if you're that person that shed her shame, that has opened up her life and you have had God or yourself burning in you <laughs> to do something, um, that's what we're all about. We want you to join us. This is women helping other women get to the next level. So if you're ready to level up, um, I, wanted, I want to encourage you to make it a priority to come to an in-person event because the in-person events is where the magic happens. Because when we are face-to-face -face and we're holding each other and we're touching each other and we're hugging each other, we are so powerful. So find a time, find a date, find a location that works for you. Make it a priority in the next six months to the next year that you're going you're gonna to meet us live somewhere. Um, and until then, we want you to join the movement with us. Sign up to be a member. Um, you can get on a Zoom call this month with us. Yeah, start talking to us. Everyone here is here to support. And so we want to help you reach the ceiling with your goals. We want to help you level up. We want to help you move past whatever's a barrier in your life. But when women come together, we can do so much more. So uh, thank you, Nicole. Uh, thank you, listeners. Um, thanks for joining us on the More Than Me podcast, sharing stories of women who decided to move outside of themselves and claim a higher purpose, because together we are more. Um, if you enjoyed today's show, please go and leave us a review on iTunes or Google Play. Again, you can find out more about this movement in more detail on morethanme.com, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye.